Thanks for tuning into the Life in the Front Office podcast. I'm your host, Jay Kirschman. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And thanks to Suja Organic for their support. Remember, you can get 15% off any one-time pack on shop.sujajuice.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Excited for our episode today with Game Plan with Vin McCaffrey and Ted White. Uh, just excited to talk to them about where Game Plan is going, how they're impacting student athletes all over the country, uh, and ultimately uh, where the student athlete journey is going. Uh, nonetheless, Vin, Ted, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, Vin, we'll, let's just start off with you and obviously where Game Plan got started. Uh, and then, Ted, we'll get to you on your background in college athletics and, and why you got involved as well. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, the short story, Jake, is a former college basketball player, went out into the workforce, hired a bunch of athletes through my time in the workforce, saw that there were some really unique interesting transferable skills of the college athlete that employers were seeking, you know, individuals like myself at the time. And I thought, let's, let's start a monster.com for athletes, like thinking really, really big, help athletes find their way into jobs. Um, athletes are super busy on campus, uh, yet employers seek out all the transferable skills that athlete has. Turns out as I started that business, um, it, you run into a bit of a chicken or egg dilemma. You have to have the athletes to get the employers. You have to have the employers get the athletes. So we started building some tools and, um, and the tools were, were focused on helping an athlete think about their identity, helping an athlete think about their interest so that as they start to transition out into the workforce, we could position that out to certain employers. And you could do that in mass. Uh, Unbeknownst to me, there, the NCA changed some legislation around uh, on how academic requirements were viewed on campus. And some of our tools, particularly our assessment tools, were actually helping individuals like Ted while they were on campus with their student athletes and their academic performance. And I had no idea. So uh, to make a very long story short, what we started to realize is as opposed to solving for what I'll just kind of frame as like a transactional challenge of helping an athlete get a job, we started to see the bigger opportunity and a better opportunity, frankly, for helping an athlete go through their journey. So see the athlete through a series of experiences on campus and beyond versus just the, the matching, if you will, to a job. And, uh, and so, you know, lo and behold, 14 years later, here we are. So that's a little bit of the backstory. Yeah. Well, Van, I just have to say 14 years later, Right. Like that's incredible yeah. just to keep yeah. going. And uh, it's no secret that the college athletics world is complex and, you know, nuanced where getting into a school and for the athletic department to allow somebody from the outside to help their athletes like that's not an easy uh, sales pitch per se. Right. And so for you to keep going and, and evolving, we'll get a little bit more into kind of where you guys are going um in, in a minute but Ted you obviously were a client at some point but give us just a, a quick GPS of your background and why you got involved with Vin and game plan recently yeah thanks um so you know I, I I grew up in a very very small town in a remote section of California and 
we, uh, my friends and I learned really quickly, um, there were two paths uh, forward. One was graduating from high school and either working for the railroad or the lumber yard. Um, and we could see on a weekly basis what that looked like, right? Uh, the other path was going off to college. And every summer and winter break, we saw what that looked like. Um, and we picked up pretty quickly that that looked like a much better outcome uh, on the faces of, of the folks doing, doing those things. And we also started realizing that there are only two ways to go that college route. One was through grades and the other was through sport. Um, and we were going to get there through sport. That was, that was <laughs> awesome, right? <laughs> um, so we threw ourselves into that. And, and so I, I, you know, I knew that college was going to be a great route just to get outside and get to the outer world and all those things. I had a very, I take, I, I tell people I took the scenic route through college. Um, you know, it took me uh, four schools in six years and two sports uh, to get through my undergraduate degree. Um, I, I had to learn the hard way. I was the kid that that had that, that had all the answers um, and was going to figure it out and do everything and um, just learned uh, the hard way. Um, but the story ended well. I, I got a really uh, a lucky break in going to UC San Diego, playing baseball, and ran into some amazing people, Judy Sweet, Earl Edwards, who are, who are icons in college athletics, and they took me under their wing. Uh, wings. Um, and I, I realized I had an amazing opportunity that a lot of my early teammates didn't. And that was that was to finish with a really quality uh, degree and a good education. Um, and over the years, I've seen how paths diverge based on the decisions you make um, as a college student, right? Um, there's the little decisions you make uh, that, that that eventually, um, you know, make a <laughs> cumulative difference. Um, and so I became really passionate uh, about um, you know, kind of spreading that uh, to other like-minded <laughs> student athletes who thought, you know, you don't really need this. Um, and so I, I got a gig working in football at San Diego State as a grad student and uh, fell in love with just having conversations and trying to trying to open up uh, the minds of student athletes to the academic opportunity and the educational opportunity and what it's going to mean long term. It's not sexy. It's not cool. But man, there's a lot of power in it. Uh, so I'm, I'm just a big believer in the power of the student athlete experience. So I, you know, fast forward, I've spent 30 years uh, in the business. Um, I was at Cal Berkeley. I was at LSU working in football when, when uh, Nick Saban was there and, and winning some national championships. Um, ended up at Georgia for 12 years. Um, and then my last stop was Virginia. Um, but, but my my interest and my focus was always on trying to convince young people um, of the power of engagement and power of education. Um, and uh, in the last year or two, um, the environment has changed so much um, that I realized um, that I'm just swimming against the current on campus. Um, the emphasis is so heavy on NIL and transfer and some things that really work against education. Um, that I that I I just thought you know what I've got to get off campus um, and approach this from a different angle um, if I'm going to have any impact at all. Um, and fortunately enough, you know I've known Vin for a long time. Uh, we go way back. I've, I I know his history and his path, and um, he's got a great reputation, and and his stuff works. Um, you know, game plan has always just been seen as an extension of a staff, um, and. He uh, took a chance on me and, and uh, allowed me to join uh, the group. And um, I've been thrilled uh, to have an opportunity to stay in the fight 
um, and to work with former colleagues across the country and, and try to help them hang in there, you know, against this kind of tide uh, that's, um, you know, kind of pushing people, uh, young people away from the things that we think are, are going to be in their best interest long term. Ted, two quick questions, and, and then we'll get to Vin on kind of where game plan's heading and, and some of the recent um, mergers, acquisitions, if you want to call them that. When you're sitting at the at the deputy AD spot, right, and everyone probably around you in the industry is going, well, that, like, Ted's just waiting for the next AD job, and, you know, and then you make, make a, a different turn in your own journey, um, not going to an AD job and there's more purpose, more passion behind it, obviously, but like what goes into that decision? Uh, because you are right at the doorstep, right? Yeah, and yeah. a lot of people would say, well, you work 30 years for, you know, in your career for that. <laughs> um, yeah. But at the yeah. same time, you know, you're able to impact thousands upon thousands of student athletes as opposed to just a couple hundred on the campus that you're on. Yeah, I mean, you're 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 right on. I mean, I, I think I, I tell people all the time. I've told Ben this many times. This is this is going to turn out to be either the smartest or the dumbest decision I ever made, right? Uh, but, but either way, it was the hardest professionally. Um, you know, I was interviewing for AD jobs, uh, and and part of the decision is based on those experiences, I, the the types of questions and the types of conversations I found myself in with college presidents and search committees, and um, you know, it, I just was kind of kind of shocked to the, the, what they were interested in, what they were hyper-focused on. And, and I just thought these are not the things that are going to create a great experience for student athletes uh, or to be frank for championship teams. Like I'm also a, a student of championship environments and championship teams. I've been fortunate in my career to work with over 25 national championship teams um, and every sport, men's basketball, football, all of them. Right. Um, and I've just been always been fascinated with that. Like what goes into that and what separates a championship program from a championship team, right? So there are teams you can throw together and boom, you can get lucky and, and catch fire or, you know, lightning in a bottle. Um, those don't fascinate me as much as an organization that is that built around sustaining that championship environment. And I also think that that's part of the, the, the ideal student athlete experience where, where you, you get these experiences, you go outside yourself and you have these transferable experiences that you can take with you in any direction. Um, and, and none of that seemed to matter to anybody who's hiring for an AD, right? And I just, I thought, man, like I need to, I need to pay attention to, to what people are telling me in this industry. Like, I don't think I'm going to like this job. Right. And so that was part of it. Um, the other part was that, you know, as I said earlier, I mean, I, I got into this business for a very specific reason, um, you know, and at toward the end of my career, the last year or so, I was asked to take on some different responsibilities. Um, and I, I just got disconnected from the stuff that I loved. Um, and I just lost the passion for it. And I, I just thought, you know what, I've got about 10, 12 years left in this career field. Do I really want to slog through it and doing stuff that I that I know isn't going to make a big difference to students? Um, and thank God, my wife was cool with it. <laughs> you know, we talked for a long time. We talked for months. You know, trying to make it work and trying to make it fit. And and she, finally, she just said, "You know what? Just do it. Do what you need to do. Like I'm I'm going to support you. Go for it." Um, and so I did. And and originally, I stepped out to start a nonprofit. And it's a baseball related nonprofit, but. Um, Vin and I connected and, and thank goodness we did. And, and I'm 
thrilled to, to still be in it. Um, and as you said, impacting a, a wider swath of student athletes, uh, albeit from you know one step removed. Yeah, but for what it's worth, Jake, like just hearing Ted go through it, like he needs to be on campus in the, in the same way. Like we we should want individuals like Ted and Ted in particular on campus. We're just really lucky that he sees, you know, the same mission as we do. And because everything he was talking about, like with regards to championship team, championship program, we're already feeling that impact with our own company, you know? And so it's kind of an interesting dichotomy because we hire a lot from college athletics. Uh, and, and a lot of the individuals are like, oh, geez, like these are the types of people that need to be on campus. Like they're, they're, they are the difference makers on the campus and, and we're just fortunate. So for however long or, or short, uh, we have that opportunity, but it, it makes us so much better. Like on the flip side of this thing, to be able to get the insight that we do from Ted and, and others on our team that have also worked on, uh, on inside of college athletics departments, um, it's really like irreplaceable. It's, it's that good. So it's just, it's just kind of this really weird balance where, you know, you're like, cause the mission part of like the deep down, like, gosh, shit, I would love to have Ted like as the athletic director, like that needs to happen for it's that will make college athletics better. But at the same time, we're like, Oh, it's okay. If it doesn't happen anytime soon, because like, this is actually working out pretty well, you know, like, so it's just this, it's this really great balance that we have going right now. And um, yeah, uh, it's funny how things work. Where's the, where's the vision of the business going now, Vin, uh, you know, over the last call 12 months of, of what you've accomplished and kind of where you're going there, there's a couple more layers to what you're trying to accomplish, correct? Yes and no. I, I think the, the vision is still to the mission of helping an athlete go through their experience, and we call it the journey, uh, successfully. And, and there's a lot to that. I would say with the evolution of athletics, uh, college professional athletics, it's, it's become a little more complicated over the last 12, 18 months. So as we've evolved as a business, we've looked at um, at also like-minded people who had a different product set that were we were really fortunate to align with and, and bring into our team. And they've, you know, it's just one plus one equals three, you know, or five for that matter, just how it's all come together. So businesses like Athlete Viewpoint and the Athlete Book have come into Game Plan and it's been fantastic. So that's all aligned. They're merged uh, as part of the product, as part of the team. But the mission hasn't changed. And those folks came through, um, you know, from the same aspect of it. You know, as, we, as you think about mergers um, and acquisitions, as you're sharing, I, we, I, like, I think of it more of an alignment where like the model that I always kind of looked at it was if, if it was, it had to be mission first, then trust, then fit, if you will. Because if it could be just the best thing ever, but like, if I don't trust you, or if you're not aligned to the mission, this thing's just not going to work. And so, you know, when, when Jen and Mike came in from athlete viewpoint and Ryan from athlete, like those things, like we knew everything was going to fit because we were all very like-minded. Now we were, we're very diverse how we think about things, but like, like-minded around the mission. So it's all around the journey um, on the product set. We've expanded beyond what I would just call like traditionally, we were really focused on education to also include survey. Uh, so survey is a really unique tool for, I would call it like in two primary buckets. One would be just in a compliance aspect, right? Because it's a required form of engagement uh, and it's a really unique survey. Uh, we have a pretty big footprint of athletics departments. So allowing 
and athletics departments to expand beyond what I would call compliance-based education to also include compliance-based survey made a lot of sense. But the vision for it, and it was a shared vision from, from Jen and team was uh, more of like, where can this go? Um, athletics is evolving really quickly. How, how accurate are our views on how athletes are thinking about NIL, how athletes are thinking about transfer, how athletes are thinking about realignment, how athletes think about life after six, uh, sport, uh, mental wellness. So the key aspects that we're starting to see thematically across college athletics, like how are athletes really thinking about it? Because typically I just hear a bunch of anecdotal stuff and, and our society tends to run with like the loudest voice and that doesn't make sense to me. And so while we looked at athlete viewpoint initially from this perspective of the ability to be able to go down this path of compliance, because we're, we're solid there, the expansion opportunity to be able to get insight directly from an athlete's voice is off the charts. And that was really what got me uh, and the vision there. Because if you can kind of envision that, what that looks like, if we start to really understand broadly what athletes are thinking about, what keeps them up at night, and we have the ability to deliver the education like we do. Like we're the largest provider of athletic education. It's, it's really not close. So from that standpoint, if we can merge those, that's that's to Ted's earlier comment of like being an extension to staff. Like that's the stuff that, you know, how does the staff, you know, grow and how do they do those things? They have to hire more people. Well, eventually you just can't. Like you just can't hire enough people to go do that kind of work. So tools like ours play a big role. But we think we play a really unique role, valuable role on campus because of our ability to be able to become like in one alignment around the athlete experience. Um, just so we're still focused on the journey, I would just say, as your point, we layered on a few areas, but if, you, if it makes sense where it fits, we're just trying to get even more granular with the athlete. Well, and with all the information that you're gathering, right, there's also an enhancement to the education component too right? Mm -hmm. To be able to be more pinpointed as to what they actually really want to learn, right? It's like walking into the classroom and just plopping down the textbook and, and the lectures and going, okay, this is what you're learning as opposed to, wait, back up. Does anybody actually ask the student what they want to get out of the class? Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I find that fascinating, right? Like within the education space, it's like, yes, there's curriculum. I get it. But has anybody actually asked the student like what they want to learn, right? Um, so same thing to your point of, of the survey and just gathering information and insights of what, you know, how does NIL actually impact you? Does it at all? Right. Yeah. So real questions. And, and, and sometimes we don't, we're, you know, is there a perspective? Maybe you don't want to know the answer to that. Right. Like, but I think from our standpoint, there's real value to it. I'll, I'll just give you one small example. Um, and I know we want to kind of move on to the discussion. But when we, we were bringing the athlete viewpoint, the data sets they have are just fantastic. And overwhelmingly college athletes are looking for more career preparation. It's almost two to one as compared to other developmental opportunities. And if you think about the last two, three years going on in, in particular with college athletics, you think of a lot of things, right? Like there's, there's been a social justice movement. There's been a discussion on mental wellness. Uh, there's just a lot of themes that you would think kind of take the attention back to my point of like these anecdotes overwhelmingly they're still asking for career preparation who's delivering that uh, our data is showing that nine out of ten student athletes never step foot in career services so so we're thinking pretty uniquely we have this data set of what the athlete's asking for you know in two weeks we launch our 
Game Plan Academy solution where athletes are going through true career preparation, skill building to take them into the workforce. Uh, that's kind of in a micro little at like use case, if you will, like that's, that's what we're doing. Like, let's figure out exactly what the athletes are asking for and deliver it, you know, and, and then hold us accountable to see how we're doing. Right. And then we'll get it better, you know, cause it's our first time through we'll stub our toe, but at least we're going down a path that aligns to the athlete's interest. Yeah. Amazing. Ted, any, any, uh, insights or thoughts to add on to that? Oof, I got a lot of thoughts and a lot of opinions. <laughs> Careful what you ask for, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the one thing that stands out is the when I was listening to the two of you go, kind of go back and forth is this, you know, the idea of pinpointing and and really, you know, finding out what student athletes want. I mean, and, and part of what we have in this survey feature is to is to give them some data as they're thinking that through, right? So it's one thing to ask student athletes if if they want X, you know, and I, and I, ca I call it chocolate cake for breakfast, right? Like I've got two college age kids. And when they were growing up, if I just said, what do you want? I mean, it's chocolate cake and video games all day. That's what we want. You know, well, well here's some information about that. And here's what this could lead to in that. So I think some of the power in the survey is over time, being able to expose student athletes to to information that will help them make better decisions for their their um, their experiences and 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 inform better outcomes, right? So that's why I'm really excited about the survey is that um, you know we don't have to rely just on third party uh, people who are making money uh, in some of these things to to encourage student athletes to get involved in some things that we can provide some real data um, and give them information to make really good decisions, whatever they decide. Um, when when you think about the student athlete journey, where is the biggest obstacle? Where is the biggest challenge currently as it stands? And yeah. Yeah. And, and and maybe how has that changed from we'll call it just pre-pandemic? Yeah, I think from my perspective, and I'll just speak from my perspective, Vin Vin uh, will have a different perspective. It's that um, <clears throat> you know, previous to some of the recent rule changes, um with uh, the 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 transfer um, rule changes, um, the uh, NIL rule changes, the Alston case, uh, and um, there there are several rules that have been loosened, uh, kind of under the radar for folks that aren't paying attention or don't don't want to know this stuff, or aren't tracking on loosening academic requirements for minimum standards on eligibility. Prior to that. Um, you know, those those people who were trying to convince student athletes that education was in their best interest at least had the the hook that you have to engage at a certain level to maintain your eligibility and to to compete. Right. And if you if you're on the athletic side, if you're a coach and you're dealing with a student who's challenged uh, to compete for a starting role. Um, especially in the sports that had professional opportunities, hockey, baseball, uh, basketball, and, and football, if they wanted to transfer, they'd had to sit out a year. And, and that, that rule was in place to make sure that they caught up on their academics before they, uh, before they started again, hit restart, because you lose a lot of credits when you transfer. And so, um, you know, there are some negative outcomes in transferring. Um, but for the coaches, it, you know, when you wanted to have a hard conversation with a student and say, listen, you're not doing X, Y, and Z, you need to improve in these three ways if you want to be a starter. 
the student athlete couldn't just walk out and say, well, screw it, I'm transferring, I'm leaving, I'm going to go somewhere else where I can play right away. They had to think about it and have conversations with the people around them and say, is it worth going somewhere else where I have to sit out a year versus just trying to fight through this and see if I can get better, right? Um, same thing on the academic side. Well, now with these rule changes, students can make fast, easy decisions that may not be in their best interest. And, and those the, the staff and the coaches have no leverage. There's nothing to hold students to the feet to the fire on, hey, just fight through this. You're going to come out stronger. You're going to come out better. This is going to be in your best interest. You just got to trust me. It's uncomfortable. It's not going to be fun. Um, and that's that's really gone in, in, at a certain in a certain piece of, of college athletics. There's there's always an easier route. Um, and I just don't trust that. It's the it's the opposite of the quiet quitter phenomenon, right? It's like yeah, it's yeah, 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 yeah. As opposed to. Uh, let me just like get through this four years and get my degree and then I'll move on to the next thing. It's like, oh no, tomorrow I'm moving across the country. Done. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And you know, there's, there's this subtle um, thing that, that people are hoping doesn't happen, but I, but I think it's just an inevitability is that, you know, there's really no argument in college athletics for stopping someone from transferring multiple times. Um, you know, so it, it, you know, once we say you can transfer once, it's really hard to say you can't transfer twice. And so, you know, once that happens, it, you know, becomes a slippery slope. And, I, you know, um, I wouldn't want my kids transferring every year just because they run into a, a tough situation, right? Um, well, how much more work, I shouldn't say work, but how much more of a challenge, though, does that truly put on the administrator and the coaches? Like their job is to ultimately recruit. And if you bring kid you know student athletes in you know for a year and then all of a sudden they're gone like that that just doubled your needs for recruiting and then you're over recruiting and it just creates a, a cycle so that's you know no, you're absolutely right and you could argue that triples their recruiting because you're you're they're looking at it now in three ways one the, the traditional recruiting and two recruiting the portal and current college athletes right so now you have to have somebody focused on the current landscape and because everybody's game right everybody's um, a potential uh, transfer and the third is your own team you have to recruit your own team constantly and that's different than coaching them you can't coach them if you're recruiting them right so if you're having to recruit your your team every day how do you coach them <laughs> it's a real thing yeah i i defer to ted like a thousand percent on this. Like this is what like, and we, as I shared, we have a number of folks who, from like, I learn a lot about the student athlete experience, just talking with them. But I went through an experience when this is 25 plus years ago playing at Lehigh and it, it was going sideways for me. You could see it. It was like one of those slow train wrecks. Like you just, it, but it was happening to me personally. My coach got fired for my sophomore year, new coach comes in junior, senior playing time. It, all those things were, and I remember talking to my parents about it and, and, you know, their point was, why did you pick Lehigh? Like what, what, and it wasn't all about this basketball thing, right? Like it was a component of it critically, but like there was a bigger discussion had, I don't know if I went through a better experience to prep me for how hard starting and running a company is than going through my college athletics experience. And and oh, by the way, like I got cut my senior year. Uh, so it wasn't one of those where I'm like, oh, it was great. I, you know, I'm, I'm all for it. it. You go through a lot and you prep for things. 
but that's one of the things I've learned. Like you were asking, like, does the athlete ask for like the classes? Like, no, but like, they don't ask for these lessons either. Like everybody says, oh, you know, teamwork and competitiveness. I think if you really got athletes off the record, the lessons that they really appreciate is like, I had this coach that I just couldn't blanking stand and I had to deal with the guy. And like, that was hard. Like, and I had, a, I had this teammate that I just couldn't stand. Uh, I didn't know where things were, you know, like all of those things that are a little bit more personal for that person. Like once you get past, oh, the competitiveness, the teamwork, when you start asking people about the athletic experience, it's not always pretty. And, and like, those are the lessons that are compelling in the workforce. That's, I think that's, that's what Ted was alluding to with his kids. Like, that's how I think about it, you know, that's too. That's real world stuff, right, Ben? I mean, and I think it's, like it's stripped away thing. when you could allow a kid to transfer so fast and all those things, right? Like that's, you know, like sometimes the stick to is is a challenge. There's always a situation and I understand it. And there's two sides of this thing, but to not create the argument, at least to have that conversation for that young person. I think in, in the long run, the long run of 25 years is a disservice. Like there's, there's a huge disservice to what, how the individual goes through the experience, you know, me personally. Well, that preparation of, of the real world, right? Like you're not going to like every boss. You're not going to like every coworker. Yeah. Hopefully you do. Right. But, but, but things happen, right? Like you can go take a job and a year later, your boss leaves for another job. And then, and then what, right? You, you can't just quickly transfer jobs. I mean, you, you can, but, but that's not the, that's not the culture and the environment you want to, because if you, if you peel the onions and the layer back, you go, wait, well, why did you pick that organization you wanted to work for? Right? Like people, people come and go, people change, but okay, hopefully your values align with the organizational values. Um, so there's a lot of real world. I mean, even like a, qu a quick tidbit, I think back to my own experience, which was, you know, eight, 10, 12 years ago, however long it's been. And, you know, I came in freshman year with the coach who recruited sophomore year. He left, we had a different coach, didn't matter. I was there for the program, for the school. And then I tore my rotator cuff and, and that was, that was it. If you were a pitcher, that was like, yeah. well, hang it up or figure out how to throw submarine, which I did. <laughs> and I took this, I took the third year off, but I finished, I figured out how to graduate in three years so i said okay i'm going to just figure out how to make the most of this experience and then i transferred to grad school and and played and and, and coached awesome. right and so when you think about that experience it taught me an awful lot because i could have probably stayed for five years and drawn it out and done a lot you know but i i mm -hmm. took advantage of the situation not everybody's going to do that but i stayed there because then i went there for school Right. I went there for school and, and baseball was a big component of that. But I remember having those same conversations of like, well, I could go here. And I was like, well, well why? Like you, you, you're, you're there for the business degree. You're there for the, the type of school that, you know, you've got all your friends. Right. And so on. Um, so, Ted, I'll, I'll throw it back to you as we start to wrap up the episode. Just kind of thoughts around where the student athlete journey is going now uh, and, and how, you know, game plan really plays a, a role in helping, you know, turn it around a little bit. Yeah, I, you know, I, I do need to say that it, you know, this is not all of college athletics, right? The stuff we're talking about. I mean, there is a a, a part of college athletics that is seriously impacted in, by these things. But one of the things that has really um, kind of 
helped me in the last six to nine months um, is working with uh, folks in Division Three, Division Two, even Division One. There, there are um, there are a lot of places where student athletes are 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 not really impacted by a lot of these things um, in a negative way, and and they're they're um, they're just some opportunities that are that are added on to the traditional student athlete experience, which is great. Um, so that that's important to to kind of note. Um, I, you know, I, I worry about, um, you know, the, the types of student athletes that are always most vulnerable anytime things like this, uh, occur. Right. So, you know, when I got into the business in the nineties, the, the black male student athletes were, were not having a good experience. Um, and then they put a bunch of rules in place that really helped improve that situation. Those are the same things that are happening that are going to create more negative outcomes for those student athletes in, in the next few years. And it's going to take time to, to document that and to track that and be able to show that there's a negative impact. And but I but I, you know, I think what what I'm excited about is that there are still a lot of folks who are hanging in there on campuses and trying to fight the good fight and, and push against this. And, and they have relationships with individual student athletes. And as long as that's in place, we have a fighting chance, uh, one student at a time. And I think that's where, where we can be helpful is that, you know, as departments start funneling resources, staff and funds toward these NIL things and these other uh, aspects, you know, if game plan can help, um, you know, smaller staffs um, create more resources and just keep this message in front of student athletes. I just, you know, I, I still believe that they, they deep down, they know what's good for them. <laughs> um, and if we can just keep banging that drum and get this stuff in their hands, um, you know, I think we've got a fighting chance. Um, so I'm, I'm just happy to be, uh, you know, with, with Vin in, in the fight. Love it. Uh, let's wrap up with some rapid fire. You guys ready? Okay, sport that you didn't play that you wish you could have in college. Oh man. Okay, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say soccer. I've I've always had like this. I've always had this 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 uh, thought in the back of my head. Man, what if you know that would have been a cool cool sport Baseball to play. Baseball to soccer. Yeah, yeah. That's a tough I'm, one. I rode in that extra year, so I got that out of my system. That was hard. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think I knew that. Yeah. yeah. Not very well. <laughs> <laughs> you sunk the boat, but I, I was on the team. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Football for me. I, um, yeah. Uh, dad coached it. Yeah. Now I have a 15 year old playing it, just being around the sport. Really cool culture. Good experience. Stadium and or campus you've never been to that you'd want to go to. Hmm. I've not been to Kansas for a basketball game in the fog. That still looks pretty killer. Yeah. I'm going to stick with basketball. Um, so I'm assuming we're talking about the college space. I've, I've seen a ton of football stadiums over the years. Um, and I've, I've been in Cameron, uh, but not during a game. So mm. I'm going to say that. I'm going to say do one for a game. You couldn't you couldn't make it out for Coach K's last game. No, that was that was a tough ticket. <laughs> All Funny right. story. So uh, I was I was helping Aaron Judge get into that game through some connections, and it was not it was likely to not happen. That's how hard those those tickets were. Wow. Yeah, it was touch and go. 
That was like a humble brag that he's getting Aaron. Judge no, 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 no. I was, I was an accidental. I was, an, I was an accidental. Like you know, someone who knows someone who knows. That's someone. a whole other podcast, Jake. Yeah. Like how how Ted gets tickets. He hangs out with the Yankees. Yeah. Yeah. That Jeter yeah, dude. We're he boys. Hits, he hits the most home runs. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's like that commercial Jeter has. Like this Derek Jeter is going to hit like a progressive commercial or something. Yeah. It's awesome. Wow. Uh, last last one for you guys. Ted, you mentioned UC San Diego, La Jolla, amazing. If you could live in one place in the world, where would it be? Okay, so in the world, I, 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 I've never been off the continent. I've, I've been uh, in Mexico a few times, but I've never been off the continent. So I, I am, I'm going to stick to the United States, and I'm going to say San Francisco. I absolutely love San Francisco, um, my, my favorite city. Yeah. I'm a damn Yankee. I moved to North Carolina 14 years ago, 15 years ago, and it's just home. It's great. Um, we love it here. Yeah, it's it's been awesome. Moved down from New York, New Jersey area, and yeah, it's it's great. Love it. How about you? Know, you? We got a little West Coast, East Coast rivalry here. Then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How about, what, you? What about you? Settle this yeah. for us. Yeah, you're a Phoenix guy. Yeah. Where, where, what's latest? Arizona's home. I mean, I grew up here. I love the mountains. I love, I, I, I'm biased, but I think the golf here is the best golf in the country. Um, I think one, you can hit the ball further and, nice. the, and, and, and the heat makes it go further too. So uh, if you can hit the driver, you're, you're good. Um, but I would say uh, you, you were talking about La Jolla and looking over the cliffs. I mean, not That's a bad, bad. place have like a second spot you know yeah absolutely it's really not bad yeah 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 these are first class problems yeah 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 no but I, i would say phoenix phoenix is uh is home and then really appreciate the insights perspectives thoughts uh the journey of the student athlete journey of game plan and appreciate it we'll definitely have you on again in the near future to Give us some insights on uh, what's happening out there in the world and uh, go from there. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks. It's been fun. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Remember, you can get 15% off any one-time pack on shop.sujajuice.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And remember, if you like this episode or you like the Life in the Front Office podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Really appreciate you tuning in and stay tuned for the next one.